it's interesting it says uh that he's he's in this house reclining at table so there's kind of this dinner party that's kind of going on and he's kind of he's he's hanging out with these group this group and kind of this evening dinner party setting reclining at table relaxing right and he's in this house and there's many tax collectors and then there's sinners right there's these two categories there's like there's tax collectors and then everyone else that are just bad people and he he doesn't call out the disciples of the second pass right no he doesn't in, in in 15 it's tax collectors sinners and his, his disciples right but then that then that second pass it is oh yeah it's just the sinners and the tax collectors that they're concerned about <laughs> yeah Think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome to the Take and Read podcast. My name is Chad. I am so excited because I have my really, really good friend, Kurt Prater, fellow pastor and follower of Christ, father, musician, songwriter, fellow crossfitter, fellow crossfitter. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) So a little bit. uh, So Kurt joins me in the uh, garage gym a couple times a week. Uh, Yeah, buddy. He and his bride. Uh, they they jump in the mix and uh, we get after some functional fitness together. If you don't know that about me, I love Jesus and I also love uh, I love to be fit. Yes. I wouldn't say I love working out. Like I'm glad I'm always glad when it's when it's over. I'm always glad I yeah. did it. But I there I have this kind of this mixed feelings beforehand. Like this is like especially with CrossFit. <laughs> It's always, this is really going to hurt. Oh, yeah. This is like time to go to the pain cave and just just bring on the hurt. And what's, what's amazing about you, I mean, I address him as coach, is you, you're just a beast. So I feel like each time I come into <laughs> the gym, it's like, how can I keep up with Chad Warren, oh, Coach brother. Warren? So this is... That's a that's a fun aspect of yes. So it's a uh, it's it's fun to get after it, and it's a part of my story. I, um, if you're just tuning in, so one of the the components of the my story and and what the Lord brought into my life was a journey through cancer. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're just past the three year mark of being cancer free, and was diagnosed, and then kind of went into a very uh, just quick uh, timeline of chemotherapy and surgery and all kinds of stuff. And that lasted for a really good season. And mm-hmm. I remember multiple times laying in bed without the energy to even roll over. And I thought to myself, if the Lord allows me to regain energy, I'm going to do whatever I can to just keep moving mm. and and be as fit as I can mm-hmm. for as long as I can because this inability to move is is something I don't like. And so if he gives me the strength, um, I'm going to use it. So that's what I, motivates yeah. me. I keep and going. You've done very well, my friend. An athlete before cancer, <laughs> yeah, but even more quasi. so. You got, it, you got some things dialed in, which yeah. is really fun. And a big part of it is diet, right? Yep. Uh, I used to be in the mindset where – I am going to work out so I can eat. 
hey, that's me. And now I've transitioned <laughs> to I eat so I can work out. That food is fuel. Yeah. Certainly there's yeah, things yeah, I enjoy, yeah. but it's it's shifted some things that's in me. That's good. And so one day I'll get there. Yeah. Anyway, so we have fun together in in the garage, uh, right. doing some CrossFit there. That's right. But that's and not why I'm here today. That's not why. That's you're a part here of today. our friendship, but that's yeah, we've got bigger right? fish to fry. I mean, the the scriptures do talk about Paul talks about you know like an athlete, I beat my body, yeah, I train, sure. and I want to do that spiritually. So there are some carryovers, uh, but. I would love for if you if you tuned in and you've heard uh, Kurt before, uh, or if you haven't, I would encourage you to go back and check out one of the earlier episodes, uh, and you can hear a little bit more about his story and his approach, especially when it comes to the Bible. One of the things that I love about the guests that I get to have on here is I get to ask them, what is the way that they interact with the Word? How have they interacted with the Word, and what does it look like for them now? But since Kurt's already been here and answered that, again, go check out that other episode. What I'd love to know, in just an ongoing way, is what is the Lord teaching you in this season of life, whether through the Word or just through circumstances or other believers, because there's a variety of ways that God, He walks with us, mm. and we experience this this growth towards Christ, and the promises that He's the same God that began a good work in us is going to carry it out to the day of completion. And his goal is that we look like Jesus. Mm. And so he is, he is actively doing that, whether it's through trials and tribulations or things that we learn in the word or the community we're a part of or the church family that we're in. So I'd be curious, what is the Lord teaching you in this season? Well, I'd say God's word is incredibly prominent even more so than it was the last time we visited in such a way that I'm now stepping out of the gospel of John into the book of acts. And I'm seeing this way, the way these followers of Jesus who have, have seen many have seen his resurrection. They're waiting for uh, the promised spirit. And then this ministry just explodes and Peter standing boldly and confronting religious leaders with the gospel message of Christ. Uh, so there's the book of Acts that I'm being challenged with when God's word, uh, speaking with my kiddos and mm. defining what does 2022 look like for you and your, your walk with the Lord. And uh, we just ordered some moleskin journals for oh, them yeah, yeah. To, to jot down some things that they observe in the scripture by God's grace to begin their their Bible reading and their their spiritual journey in in reading God's word, observing what's there, and then how what is God what is God saying here? What are some promises? What is some life application that I need to be living out? So that's hitting kind of my personal life, my family, and then in the ministry, we're talking about being biblically literate and growing in that. Mm. So in all facets of my life. Thank the Lord right now. It is, is on the forefront of my mind and um, even just finished up a book as a result of being sick this last couple of weeks and uh, was challenged in how the, how the Lord use, use his word and others faith in him and knowledge of the scripture to endure significant suffering. Yeah. So I praise the Lord for his word. I'd love to unpack something you said because that's an interesting concept that if you didn't catch it would be important to catch. And that is you're leading your kids from an early age 
to intentionally engage in the Bible. Mm. That that's not, I think sometimes we just, we hope that an engagement in church or Sunday school or some sort of kids program it will just kind of take care of that. But there is yeah. this sense that you feel an ownership as a dad and as a parent mm-hmm. that you want this to be something your kids know how to begin to do on their own. For so sure. not to get too complex into it, but what would you just say are some basic principles as you think about your kids approaching the Bible? Like you talk about getting a moleskin journal. Yeah. Are you talking to them about, you know, take some time every day? Are you talking to them about what that can look like? Is it a uh, a couple times a week? Is there a family devotion? Like, do you sit around the dinner table? Uh, What are some of those practices? Well, it's kind of funny that it kind of parallels even the the concept of being a coach Mm -hmm. and helping train the athlete. We've got to start with the basics. So with our kiddos, it is, let's try to establish a rhythm here. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so realistically, it's probably Monday through Friday for our kids need you to get up and, uh, um, with the kiddos, we're kind of letting them to some degree script how much they're reading. So it might be a scene or a pericope, a little section, uh, for our olders. It's, Hey, I need you to grab a chapter or two, mm-hmm. um, and just develop this, spend some time reading. Um, and now with the journal, the hope is that some of those things that they're reading, they can intentionally jot down. So we'll see how that we're, we're charting this new territory in the new year. Do you give them any guidance on here are some kind of ways to take notes? Here are some things. If you notice a word you don't understand, write it down. Uh, like, is there yeah. any direction you give them there? This is pretty fresh, but we're, we're just using uh, some basic questions that we're going to put in the front of their journal that they've got. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it essentially is, what is it t- saying about God? Yeah. What is it saying about humanity, mankind? Yeah. And then are there any promises, life application, things that you can draw out that could help teach them who they are to be as a follower of Christ? So putting that in the front of the journal, the moleskin has a little, a little, um, little side flap, if you yeah. will. <laughs> yeah. And I love and, that and using that. So that's in addition to, you know, we've got some devotional time at night. We mm-hmm. try to spend as many meals as we can, whether that's a snag and a breakfast in the morning or a dinner at night um, to talk about some of the things we've encountered that day. Yeah. But yeah. So, uh, so Kurt and I have kiddos that are in, in the same season of life. So we've got several of our kiddos. Um, we don't have as many kiddos as you do, but uh, the, minus one. the three the three kiddos we do have kind of hit three of your kiddos in the same age yep. and grade. And, um, you know, the coming of a new year, you kind of, there's a few things that people kind of, they, they want to start stuff they haven't, you know, whether that's in resolutions or whatever. And I don't know that I'm a big subscriber to those types of things. Right on. Although I do benefit regularly from one of the resolutions my wife had several years ago was to come up with the chocolate chocolate chip cookie recipe, like the one. Oh and so she my. spent a year looking and finding mm. the recipe. That's and an she has dialed <laughs> it in. And so I'm grateful yeah. for that. Amen. Um, we are. And so, yeah, others in our, our community get to be blessed <laughs> by that resolution. But, I, you know, people start new reading plans. They start, uh, and so I don't know if you ascribe to a certain kind of reading plan or every year you try a different one, um, but, you know, that's a time to do that. Yes. And and so like you, uh, 
I had a kind of an eye towards, I want my kids to experience regular kind of rhythms around the Bible as a family. So mm. not just individually. Good. And that's something we've talked about. And they've adopted some some practices here or there um, around Bible reading on their own. But I knew that I can't necessarily control how how much, and I'm not going to mandate how much they spend time in the mm. Word. I want them to, to desire to engage with the Word and hear from the Lord. But I can create expectations around how we will as a family engage the Word. And so we started this year uh, at mealtime, as soon as the meal's over, we put aside our, our dishes on the table and I pull out the Bible and we read a passage out of the Old Testament and a passage out of the New. I read one of the passages, my wife reads one of I the passages, that. and then sometimes the kids are like, ooh, I want to read. And so we're creating some lively conversation uh, around the scriptures in the mm. evenings, and that's a new one. So um, like you, there's there's this burden I feel for my kiddos. And so if you're listening and you you have found some rhythms to be helpful, please share those in the comment. Uh, always love emails love from you guys. That. I will say several of you have emailed me, and uh, just because of life circumstances, I haven't gotten to them, but I do plan to respond to every email I get. So keep emailing me, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to get to it, I promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really, I really appreciate uh, the trust that, that a lot of you place in me by sending me emails and asking very genuine and very challenging questions. Uh, not challenging necessarily in what does the Bible say or mean, but just you're going through some hard times and you're going through some challenges. And so um, just know that I, I've seen those emails and I hear you and I, I will respond. And I'm grateful that you take the time to email me and I will take the time to respond. But um Okay. Anything else you want to say about just time of the word, time with your kiddos, starting uh, you know afresh in this new year? Negative. Okay. No. Okay. I'm ready to dive into okay. Some so unless you had another question. No. Uh, so what we come to do is is we we have come here to read the word, to take mm-hmm. and to read the scriptures. Uh, before we started, um, Kurt and I prayed. We spent some time in prayer before we mm-hmm. we hit record on this, and so. That's, I think, a huge part of taking and reading the scriptures and is realizing it's a spiritual book, not just in its, not the genre of spirituality that you would see in a bookstore, but there is a supernatural component uh, to this text in front of us. Uh, it is not the product merely of, of human authors. Uh, it is a supernatural work. It is the word of God. We believe that 100%. And so we also realize the need for God's spirit to guide us in our understanding as we do read this. And so uh, we started this podcast right before we recorded uh, in, in prayer, asking for the Lord's guidance. So uh, we're going to continue. Uh, we are, this is episode 11, and we are still uh, in the early stages of Mark, the gospel of Mark, the earliest account we have of Jesus's life and ministry. Uh, just as by way of reminder, here we have in the Gospel of Mark a very specific account that there is the human author, John Mark, is, is, is giving an account of Christ, and then he is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but there is a specific way in which God wants to reveal who Jesus is through Mark's account. 
Uh, we understand this to be the product of Peter's preaching. And so there's an element to which this is, okay, this is a, a certain uh, snapshot and a very specific recounting of the life and ministry of Jesus. And it's all around, in the very first sentence, Mark says that this is uh the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, another way to understand Christ is Messiah. So he is saying that this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, who is the Son of God. From that point on, it is not Mark's word, like it's not his opinion. It is now the accounting of this. So this is all a an account that gives the support to his first statement, the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, who is the son of God. So we've made our way through chapter one. We've gotten a little ways into chapter two. Kurt, we're going to be in chapter two. Okay. We're going to be in verse 14 and we're going to read through 21. So again, Kurt has not been given a heads up. Maybe he's tracked with the podcast so far and did a little research to go, maybe he's going to be in this ballpark, but we are going to be in chapter 2, awesome. uh, verses 14 through 21, because I want this to be a fresh reading, and for us as two followers of the Lord to just say, what does it say, mm-hmm. what does it mean, and what should we do about it? Love like it. It's simple, just, okay, let's take the word and let's read the word and and embrace it. So we are in the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, which is a certain English translation of the Bible. And so, uh, like we do on this podcast, we'll jump into different translations from time to time. And so here we are in the NASB, and we'll begin reading here in verse 14. As he, Jesus, passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house. And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In fact, we're not going to continue reading through 21. We're just going to stop there. Okay. We're going to take 14 through 17 this time. Because uh, I think that specific passage, that pericope is is contained, and I think there's quite a bit there. Yeah, buddy. And so, what are first of all, what are some things that we need to clarify? What do we need to understand that it's saying? So we understand there's some movement. He, Jesus, and his disciples, uh, they pass by uh, an individual named Levi. What else mm. do we understand about that guy? Well, he's hanging out in the tax collector booth, and that, that means... Our boy's a tax collector, which should send off some signals, may send off some signals. That, all right, here's his reputation among the Jews. Yeah. So you do we want to talk a little bit about that right now, or you want I to just I think so. Observe? I think we need to kind of say, okay, tax collector, 
Levi, so we know yep. he's he's Jewish, uh, and he's a tax collector mm-hmm. collecting taxes for the Roman government. <laughs> the oppressor. So he is working for the Roman government, Caesar, mm-hmm. and he is taxing his own people. And and I think there's some, some interesting context that we could understand here. Levi is also to be understood as Matthew. Mm-hmm. So we can understand that Matthew, who penned and wrote another one of the gospels the gospel of matthew that's who who's being talked about here okay how did you know that so we can understand um that levi is the son of alphaeus so we understand kind of his lineage here and we understand uh from other other components within the gospels but i think we can understand it uh if we go where is it here I love that you put me on the spot. Well, it's it's so good that you drew that out, and I want to make sure. I don't know if I can if I can find the passage. I'm like, well, I just know it. I just <laughs> <laughs> not because I've come by some supernatural knowledge, but it's just something I've come to know that's, studying yeah. studying the scriptures. But that's yeah, good. I'm not sure the specific other than. Let's get into here. Well, hey, I, I did, did just see this little cheat code. Okay. So Is my, it 1B? My, my, my subheading or my heading yeah. really does put Matthew in. in okay. Well, but still, I mean, that's not Yeah. That's not <laughs> technically the text. We just know that that's who he's talking about. But I think that when um, it may, he may even call him by another name throughout this text. So that is really good. Well, even I'm just thinking about the list of disciples mm-hmm. later. Um, I'm 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 kind of cruising over to Acts. Okay, so here we go. Uh, he's referenced later in chapter three of Mark. Uh, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, and Matthew, and mm-hmm. Thomas, but he's not referenced as Levi there. So again, that wouldn't be the indicator. So that's that's good. Let's get into. Uh, um, let's look here. So it just happens. So I told you I'm in Acts, right? Mm-hmm. No, that, that's okay. Let's go back to Matthew nine. Dude, I love this. Uh, okay. Um, we have the same account in the gospel of Matthew. So this same exact occurrence or this episode that we read here about this guy named Levi mm. is also accounted for in Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting yeah. at the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. So, Love it. So we, we have this account um, that Matthew is indeed Levi, and Levi is Matthew good. In, in those two accounts. So that's a good, it's a good call. Way to go. Thanks I just, for letting I just me put you on the spot. And said, that's who it is, but it's good to say, how would we know that? How would we possibly come to know that? So With something that call. you learned that you brought in to this passage here, yeah, you, you just were able to recall it, but, but I love it because I, if you're not course. watching the video, and maybe if you zoom in, like there's maybe a bead of sweat <laughs> strolling down my face, bro. You got that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. But Levi, aka Matthew, tax collector, tax collector, Jewish by culture, but serving the Roman government by occupation, and so why would that be a tension? Well, unfortunately, we know of the tax collectors, they're extracting money from their own people. And, and we're not... Um, 
they're, loyal they're, to their people as as far as what they collected. We know that they they, they collected more than the sum that was. Yeah, it certainly due. they had the reputation that they were collecting more than was required. Yes, because that's how they were were compensated. So there was a mm-hmm. tax rate that was set by the Roman government, and then they would kind of add on a rate to that as their fee so that they could receive. So there's that. We don't know if he was doing that. Correct. But that was that, that was a known practice of the time. Mm. There's also the sense that there's a Jewish that is kind of oppressing his own people because he's the instrument of oppression of the Roman government, right? right? So he right. is he is decided, he is not forced to be in that role, but he is, you know, said, yeah, I'll, I'll serve in this capacity. Mm-hmm. And so he has agreed to this occupation. And so that could be seen by his peers as you willingly took that job to oppress us. Wow. Right? We don't, yeah. again, this is what we know about that office of tax collector. Right we don't know if that's but we, true. We do know as the passage continues that the religious leaders, specifically the scribes of the Pharisees, call out and address the fact, how can Jesus be with a one from the tax collecting group? So there is something to be said, even in what we see here in the, in the context of Mark 2. <laughs> it's interesting. It says uh, that he's, he's in this house reclining at table. So there's kind of this dinner party that's kind of going on and he's kind of, he's, he's hanging out with these group, this group and kind of this evening dinner party setting, reclining at table, relaxing. Right. And he's in this house and there's many tax collectors and then there's sinners, right? There's these two categories. There's like, there's tax collectors and then everyone else that are just bad people. And he, he doesn't call out the disciples of the second pass, right? No, he does not. In, in 15, it's tax collectors, sinners, and his, his disciples. Right. But then that, then that second pass, it is, oh yeah, it's just the sinners and the tax collectors that they're concerned about. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's interesting to see that that, and he, he makes that um, differentiation later in uh, verse 16 when they it says that the scribes of the Pharisees ask the disciples why is he Jesus mm-hmm. eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners it, I don't know but it's interesting that they have a problem one that he's engaging with tax collectors and sinners mm-hmm. but also that he would eat and drink that there's something about the fellowship right the yeah. the buddying up with the the befriending of this group of people they're sinners and then there's even tax collectors like there is a, a different category mm-hmm. of just bad people yeah and that they're, they're lumped together so yeah so we understand uh again we're in that that mode of okay do we understand what it's what's being said here we understand the scene jesus his disciples they're in uh, in a household uh they've jesus has called Matthew, mm-hmm. and he's he's saying, we, "Follow me." So he, just like he did with Peter, just like he yeah. did with Andrew, yeah, he called right on, and they followed. There's immediately. A, there's, a, there's a response. Like we're not told anything other than he he moves and he's with Jesus. He just left the booth. Yeah, he's and out. he's following, which would imply he's now a disciple. Right on. Just like when Peter responded, just like when Andrew responded. And he comes from a profession. And so then immediately after this calling, 
the implication is that they're probably in his house. Right. Well, his friend group is not <laughs> the disciples. Yeah. His friend groups, tax, tax collectors, collectors and the sinners. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So, interesting. And Jesus is putting himself in the middle of this, and he's blowing saying, the scribes' minds. And he's not like just grabbing a quick bite. He's reclining at table. He mm. is relaxed. He's, he's yeah. enjoying time mm. around in the because it's not like the way that we encounter dinner sometimes, which is quick stop by the fast food joint, grab a bag, eat the fries on the drive home, and just it's just a speed bump in our day. For them, and it's a, it's an event. Right on. And it's a social event. They're engaging with one another. And to break bread with somebody, that meant something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. What else do we need to see here? He's there. The. It's also interesting here. It makes it seem like everybody's in the same room. Like he's he's at at the table. He's eating. Then there's this this group of scribes and, and of the Pharisees, and they're like engaging with. I don't know that it played out that way, but yeah, how sure, do you see? How do you see that in your mind? It, it, how does it gets, that go down? So uh, the way I picture what's this is playing out is that you've got this this event that's happened. He's called Matthew and or Levi, and 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 so Levi becomes a disciple and has followed Jesus immediately. It says, and he got up and he followed him, and then it says, and it happened that he was reclining at table. So. Sometime later, we don't know if it's the same days, same week, same month. Sometime later, Jesus is in in a house, in his house, it says. So he's in Levi's house. Mm-hmm. He's at table. He's reclining. He's having a meal. And with him are tax collectors, sinners, and the, his disciples are there as well. So maybe it's, maybe the disciples are lumped in with this group of sinners. I don't know, but... Mm-hmm. But that's the scene we have. And there were many of them, it says. Yeah. And they were following him. So there's this group of, he's kind of got this crew now that's going with him. And there's a lot. And we've already seen that he has had trouble now entering cities because of the crowds that gather, because of what he has done. We understand even from our, our last episode, this healing of a paralytic and his buddies lower him through the roof. And the reason why they had to do that is because there was just so many people gathered around. And so they had to bust through the roof to get their buddy there. So we know that there are crowds that follow him. And so I don't quite understand the scene. We know that houses back then were pretty small. Mm. Maybe Matthew's house was a little bit bigger because he's a little bit wealthier. Possibly. Tax collector. Right. Uh, maybe he's able to put out a pretty decent spread because hospitality rules say that anyone in your house, you got to you gotta feed them. Yeah. You got to have enough. So all we know is that there's this big crowd and it says uh, the, the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors and then they said to the disciples, so they approached the disciples mm-hmm. in a way that Jesus can hear. In, right. in a way that Jesus is aware that there's some sort of conversation happening and he's able to pick up what they're talking about. And immediately give a response Yeah, to their question. Yep. So and he, his response is yeah, just, beautiful. Absolutely right. beautiful. Not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So, um, and here we understand he is... He is talking about, and I think he's indicating that clearly all are sinners, but 
but there is this kind of assumption maybe that the Pharisees and the scribes have that they're the righteous because they've labeled this group as tax collectors and sinners. What's he doing with those people? And what they don't understand here is that Jesus came for the sinners Mm. and the tax collectors, but that he's not saying, well, you're already good. Right. You're covered. I don't need to help you because you're healthy. No, the implication is that their very heart reveals that they're in that same boat. They just don't know it. Right? Yeah. One category sinner. Yeah. Not tax collector, not disciple in, in the way that we see it here on the front end of this little scene, but all are in the category of sinner. Yeah. And Paul will tell us and affirm uh, in the book of Romans, which is one of the letters in the New Testament, uh, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's right. There is no one righteous, no, not one. Mm. And so, and that's, there's an implication of that here, I think, that here are these, the Pharisees and tax collectors are, or the Pharisees and scri- the scribes of the Pharisees are like, what's he doing with all these ruffians? What's he doing with all these bad, evil people? He should yeah. be, if he's this guy that can go around healing and casting out demons and, and is such a, a wise rabbi or, or Jewish teacher, why is he hanging out with these people? He should be, you know, maybe the implication is he should be with the Pharisees. He mm. should be hanging out with the religious folk, the leaders. But not nah, he's, he's hanging out with these, these bad people. And what's cool is we see Jesus being able to engage, interact with both groups, if you will. So you have Matthew's crew, and then you have the religious leaders who have put themselves in a category that's outside of the center, outside of a tax collector. And then here Jesus is speaking directly to them, saying, I'm here for you mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So when we step back and if we understand the scene and we understand what's being said, the question is, what does it mean? Like if we go, okay, what are some, what are some implications of this passage and why this is here? What does God want us to see? One of the analogies I use sometimes are, what are the brush strokes? Like, what are the, what's the, what's the implication? I see. It's good. I see. Um, there's some categories, right? And you were just talking about that: sinners, tax collectors, mm-hmm. and then presumably the non-sinners, right? <laughs> self self-made, self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed. Yeah. And the interesting thing that G- Jesus is telling us that He did not come for those that are fixed or whole but he came for the broken Mm -hmm. right the the sinners the implication here is that there's the healthy and the sick right he says it is not those who are healthy who need a physician but Mm. those who are sick and he has is indicating that these people know that they're sick Mm -hmm. these people that i'm reclining at table with they they have come to the realization that they're sick and they need healing and that I am the physician. But he is engaging with the people that don't know that they're sick. They have no clue 
that they have the disease of sin in them, that they are unrighteous, and they have possibly presumed that they have manufactured a righteousness of their own, but they're ignorant to just how broken they really are. Mm. And as he says that, we don't have an indication that they somehow become aware. He just makes it very clear that he came for those who are broken. And the people that were at table, sinners and tax collectors, though they may be, he called them and they responded. Mm-hmm. And they are aware that they're sick and now they're with the physician who can heal them. Yeah, that call and response is what's kind of resonating in my mind. Leading off with Levi, Matthew, being reached out to specifically by Jesus and immediately responding. Then Jesus engaging around the table, reclining at the table with the tax collectors and, and sinners. His disciples right alongside they're receiving interaction with Jesus and they're going to have an opportunity to respond as well as the many who else are gathered there. Right. And then the last category of those scribes whom Jesus directs his statement about coming for those who are sick, they're going to get, have an opportunity to respond. Yeah. And, and so far in the gospel of Mark, we've seen him demonstrate. There's been a lot of uh, show of authority, right? He has shown his authority over, the demonic. Yes. He's showing his authority over sickness and frailty and other ailments. And so he's going around and he's healing and he's casting out. Mm-hmm. And, it, and so as it comes to this, it's interesting that he uses this analogy. It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Like a lot of these people have gathered around him because he's doing just that, right? He's healing people. Mm. He's causing sickness to go away. But here he's talking about the sickness that can't be seen. That's right. He's talking about a different kind of sickness that may not be as obvious. And so I think one of the meanings is the reality of the, the physical ailments that we may experience or the brokenness you know, in our physical body that we experience is, is simply surface level. That our real problem is the sickness of our heart of our desires and our affections that are so broken and go after such vile things, whether we act on them or just think them or we say them, like our heart is broken Mm. and desperately sick. And he's like, "I, I can heal it. I can touch it and it will be better. In the same way that we talked a couple episodes and we saw in previous passage that when he heals the leper, he touches him. Right? He, he could have healed by just speaking it. He could have just thought it. Like we see episodes where Jesus heals people in a variety of ways that doesn't involve physical touch. But he breaks social and religious norms by physically touching a leper, which was a violation of everything mm-hmm. in their culture. And he does that to show that when I touch, he becomes healed. I don't become sick. The leprosy Power. doesn't come on me. Health comes on him. Mm. And so there's a, it's interesting that he uses that analogy of sickness and healthy. And I just think that's powerful. And, and the meaning that we have some sickness and it's, it's in our heart. Yes, and he's doing all of the external mm-hmm. to prove his power and authority to a generation 
who by and large needs to see or they're craving the sign. And then what he's declaring here is that I'm really coming to heal something that's far deeper mm-hmm. than the external. It's what's going on in the inside, which I'm so thankful that you, you hit on. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, I've read this. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard Chad share. It's about the heart. Jesus is about healing those who are sick spiritually. It's about the heart. Well, what do I do with that? Yeah. I think it, it depends on where you are, but there is absolutely something for everybody here. So for me, as I sit here, I've been a believer for a long time. It's very easy for me to to find myself in the category, I wouldn't say of the, the, the Pharisees or the scribes, but certainly in this realm of, well, I'm not like those people. Right. I'm not that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh and to and it's, so it's very sobering to have this passage and just to be reminded that, man, without Christ, I am woefully and desperately sick. And there are even every day I will see that sickness bubble up in, in sin, and whether it's in thought, word, or deed, or a response that I have to somebody or an attitude that I have, and I go, oof, that's gross. And then what I tend to do is I go, okay, I need to fix that. And so I try to attempt uh, to fix my own sickness and self-medicate. And so whether that's, you know, just kind of set up stops around that or try to just push it off as it was circumstantial, don't worry, I won't let that happen again or whatever. But this is a reminder today that there's only one fix. Mm. And it's... I got to fall on my face before Jesus as much as I did that first day I met him today. Yes. And I need to go, man, I need the physician. Yeah. I am sick. My heart is sick and I need to be with him because only he can, can continue this work he began in me to bring me to his likeness. Mm. I can't manufacture that on my own. Um, so that's one group. Yeah. I, I mean, the the term confession yeah. comes to mind with what you just shared. I read this, and it brings about a prayer of confession. It, it even brings about, for me in this moment, a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Lord, thank you that you saw me in my state, mm-hmm. in, in my sickness, and you sent Christ. Thank yeah. you that you reached me, you loved me, yeah. and have forgiven me. So a prayer of praise. Mm. And it also impacts the way that I see others, that we're all in the same category of sickness, of sinner, and we're in need of Christ. And it levels the playing field. And yeah. there's only one who is perfect, yeah. Jesus, Messiah, Son of God. And I think, too, there, there could be people that encounter this passage or maybe even are, are tuning into this podcast right now that are still not um, – they're not followers and a variety of barriers have stood in the way before. And they've said, I just, I can't, um, whether that's, there's some emotional reasons they, whether that's through abuse or, or somebody in their life has claimed Christ, but has, has hurt them. And so there, there stands that barrier and they're like, I just can't, I don't want to give into this or Christ has been misrepresented to them. And so they're like, I don't want that guy. Well, here you have a picture of, of Christ. Um, 
who is is absolutely here to to address sickness. He is the physician and he came for sinners. And that includes you and me. Mm-hmm. And and so there's that category of people that I think go, I don't know. I don't know if I can I can take that step. Let me ask you this. Can you identify something in your life or in your heart that you know is just woefully wrong? Whether it's an attitude, a way that you respond, maybe it's a habit that you can't kick, and you know, man, I wish that wasn't true of me. That's just an indication of the brokenness we're talking about that's true of everybody. You're not unique in the sense that you're also one of us that's broken. And as much as we might try to self-help, as much as we might try to fix it or just um, hide it or pretend it's not there, that brokenness is having an effect on us and the people around us, whether we know it or not. And there's only one solution, and it's the physician. It's Jesus Christ. And, And so my encouragement to you is if you are tuning into this podcast and you have not allowed yourself to consider that brokenness and this one solution, which is him, you simply respond by saying in the quietness of your own heart and mind or find a place in an open field somewhere and cry out, but simply say, I'm broken. And I realize I'm in that category of tax collector and sinner and that's exactly who you say you came to help and I need your help Lord please I'm reaching out help me I want to I want to to be healthy and I know that I'm not and I need your help please come and into my heart I trust you I trust who you are I trust that you lived and died and that applies to me and only you can fix my sickness and so that's that's the the so what that's the takeaway right Mm -hmm. that's the what do we do about this is we go to him whether you've been walking with the lord for 40 50 60 years or you are just deciding for this second to follow him the response is the same i'm broken and i need you i confess i'm sinful and i'm broken and i trust christ fully to help me and cover my sin. That's it. That's that's the the take and read and do. Maybe I need to mm. rename the, the podcast. <laughs> take, read, and do. Um, so, Kerp Raider, any anything to add uh, to this? I just feel like can I pray? <laughs> Amen. I yeah. feel like I need to pray. Yeah, with the charge that. We have here in God's word with the message and the reality that somebody tuning in could have a significant barrier hurdle, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And God's spirit's working in them right now. I just want to, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Yeah. Lead us out. Father, once again, we thank you that you give us your word and the way that it teaches, rebukes, corrects. It trains us for righteousness. And once again, it does not return void. It is everlasting. I pray for our listeners that each one of us will take steps of obedience like we see in Levi. Mm. 
whatever that barrier is or hurdle is for us coming to the great physician, the healer, God, may it be thrown off and us run after you. Mm -hmm. I thank you that you pursue us time and time again. We are not hopeless because we have Christ. Might your spirit continue to do his work over the podcast through all the channels that this message is being shared. And may you so work in our life that we cherish your word and it has effect each and every day. To you be the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All righty. So, Kurt, thanks for being with me. My joy. We will, Thank you. We will definitely do this again. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast today. I will say, uh, please, if you have questions or comments, uh, you can leave those uh, in whatever platform you're on. Uh, please subscribe, like, share, follow, do all that stuff because it helps other people find us. Uh, and also uh, visit my friends at 22beans.com. They uh, graciously support this podcast and help kind of the, on the production side of things. So go to 22beans.com. And you can also find this really cool hat, the Take and Read podcast hat. I love hat. that hat. Uh, it's in limited supply. I think there's just a, a handful left. And you can grab those, but don't worry. After these sell out, we'll make a new style. So if you don't like this style or colorway, Man, we got we got surprises for you. We got new stuff coming. Um, yeah, email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for joining us, and have a blessed day.